We've got Ajmal Samuel, who's here to tell us a little bit more about a trip he took at the end of last year. Welcome back on the program, Ajmal. So good to see you again. Thank How you. are you? Thank you very, very much, Noreen, for having me on the program. Yeah. Now, um, I wanted to talk to you about it last time on Line Rockers, but we time just flew on by. And so I'd like to talk about sort of the, the hobby side of things, where you went hand cycling across Scandinavia. Baltics and Scandinavia. That's incredible. Yeah, so so it's always been my dream to actually hand bike in the Baltics. Uh, frankly, that was my dream. And Scandinavia as well, okay? So this was my second long distance uh, hand cycling ride. Uh, the first one I did was from Beijing to Mohe. Mohe is the northernmost town which borders Russia, okay? And that was about 2,600 something kilometers. And I did it in 30-something days. I don't remember the exact number of days. And the whole idea, actually, I, I can share a little bit. It changed my life, really. That trip in China changed my life, and I'll then go to the the European trip. So uh, there's a group in China, uh, a group of disabled people, who have been inviting me to do this trip for many, many, many years. And I never knew them who they were. And I was like, why would I go to China to do this trip with them? But they had been reading about me. And they said, we really want you to come and join us. And eventually, 2019, I think, I had some time. And I said, okay, I'll give it a go. I'll come over and I'll try. And then I flew to Be Beijing and I met the people. Okay, nice people and whatever. And then started doing, just thinking it's going to be hand cycling. And started hand cycling from Beijing all the way to Mohe. So we used to do roughly like uh, between 70 to 100 kilometers every day. Every day. Yeah, that, that was our uh, distance for cycling. So we were going through some towns or some major cities sometimes. You know. So third or fourth city uh, where we stopped, I, again, I didn't know the details. They had a program whereby we went and uh, to a rehab center for one of the earthquake people, okay, who had been, there are a lot of disabled people who, due to the earthquake. And later on I learned, actually, that was the main reason for hand cycling. <laughs> hand cycling itself was just one of the a things, part of the, part of the activities. So th I really, for me, it took me back because I was actually, that hand cycling was a platform being used to get the message to people for active life, for active living. And there's another thing which happens in disabled people or people in a wheelchair especially. They suffer a lot of pressure sores because they're sitting the whole day. And that is life-threatening. There are many famous people who have died because of, uh, you know, the, the guy who was Superman. Uh, yes, he, yes. The reason for his death was a pressure sore, not his disability or whatever. Yes, so, yes, yes, yeah, because he was sitting. For a long time. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the whole idea was they, this group in China had taught, uh, were working with uh, a professor from University of Nanjing. And the professor had flown to all these places, used to fly to these places, and do lectures together with us to create awareness for this. So, so when I finished this trip, in when I reached, we had already done a couple of these lectures and reach outreach programs and all that. So for me, it became like, okay, I really need to learn from this because, from for me, hand cycling, yeah, I'm fit, I can do all these things. But I, what I realized when you are 
cycling or hand cycling and you reach these people, the first thing they ask you, where are you coming from? And you say, Beijing. And they say, no, I don't believe you. And these are disabled people, yeah? And then you have to explain to them and then they see the handbag, they see, say, oh, really? Okay, then the audience is different. They start listening to you because they know that this guy is not joking. If I, if I really flew there, it will be a different story altogether. So I really took it deep down into me. So okay, this is a really good model. I need to do this more often. I really need to go and bike to places whereby I can touch the local people rather than just flying there and telling them whatever, and then they will forget about it. And that's what I, so when I came back and I thought about it and I said, okay, I'm going to do the next trip I'm going to do is over the Himalayas. I'm going to start in Kashgar, northwestern China, and I'm going to go to Karachi. So there was a 3,000 kilometers. I was looking for that 3,000 magic number. So that was 3,000 kilometers. And, but uh, COVID came in and then the political situations in Pakistan just went deteriorated. So eventually I, uh, I talked to a lot of my friends and last minute change in uh, last year was why don't I do Baltics and Scandinavia and uh, one of the reasons to start in Lit I started I thought okay I'm going to start in Lithuania so there's a reason why I started Lithuania so in 2019 also I set a new record with together with the Lithuanian guy Roar a very highly credentialed Lithuanian Roar uh, to do the around the island race, okay. So I did that, and he was invited. I invited. I I got to know him through my through your rowing, rowing activities. activities. So I asked him to come over, and we. Uh, then he invited me back. He said, "Come to Lithuania sometime, and you we can either row or we can hand bike." He also does hand biking. So that is what I. That is my whole idea. So I said, "Okay, I'm going to go to his town, and I'm going to continue the journey." What I stopped in around the island race. Now, this guy did some, it is very tough, by the way, another topic for another day. It's really tough. So, uh, start. Because of the climate and uh, the. Uh, climate and the, the, heart, the sea itself is a, is a killer, especially in the winters when the waves are like six feet waves or 10 feet waves or whatever. And you can't train for that here uh, you, locally. You can train, but. Uh, just to get a boat of which can go in the open sea and all that, in the coastal boat, it's not easy. So just to train for all of that, it's... For example, I had some training, but the Lithuanian rower, he had zero experience to row on the sea, in the sea, he, only on the rivers. Yeah. So when he came here, for him it was brand new, but he finished, together with us we finished. So I, I went back to his town and I, the whole idea, okay, start from his town, he's going to bike with me for a while. His father is a videographer, who said, who promised to me that he'll come along with me for a while as well, not the complete journey. But then that, that is how the reason I started. It was continuation of a story. And it was like, on the way, start again doing the same thing, meeting people, different groups and all that. Although this time, it, uh, according to my thinking, it was reverse, which it was reverse. I'm not going to be telling because it's Europe. I'm going to be learning from these people. I learn and I bring accumulate knowledge and then I, maybe in my next trips or whatever I can share with other people. This is what I learned in Europe. And it was a learning for me. So that's how it all, the whole thing started. And I started in Lithuania. Uh, I went to Latvia, Estonia. Uh, I went to Finland, Sweden and Norway. And I finished in Norway. And it was about 2,525 kilometers of uh, 
And this time, by the way, it was quite extreme because uh, weather was one. Uh, in the Baltics, luckily the weather wasn't so bad. It was raining and all that, but that's okay. But after after uh, Finland, it started getting cold and rain, and that's where and and it started climbing. There was a lot of climbs, especially in Norway. You have to climb mountains literally. So the total distance was two thousand five hundred twenty-five, and the total climbing was about twenty kilometers. Ajmal, every time I talk to you, my mind is just blown because now maybe I'll back up a little bit for some of our listeners who may not be so familiar with your story. Now, you were born and raised in Pakistan and then you joined the armed forces. And then in 1987, you had an accident where your spinal cord was injured, which left you in a wheelchair. Um, You are uh, uh, paraplegic and and it left you in, in the wheelchair and it left you, I think from our last conversation, it left you in a dark place that you were reliant on morphines and, and all sorts of cocktail of medication that right. because you were in so much pain That's that right. the doctors were prescribing you. And you just wanted to sort of go go cold turkey and then that's when you got into sports yep that's right and, and it's incredible because not only are you into one sport you're into several sport now when you go into these situations do you ever think about giving up because i think mentally physically you have to be very strong there's no doubt about that but also mentally when you're going through these races these sorts of things it's tiring and it's a long journey I'll how you, do you stay motivated yeah. i'll tell you an interesting thing which actually many other sports people or athletes will tell you as well these these this type of thing is endurance um, uh, you can say adventure or endurance thing yeah so expedition, it's an endurance expedition. It's not uh, something for a medal or whatever. It's, you are basically testing yourself against to the, the elements. Limit. To the limit, yes. But when you are into that zone, there's one interesting thing which comes over and you realize physical ability and fitness is one thing. Actually, what takes you and makes you cross the last line is your mental fitness yes. and aptitude. It's not the physical, yeah, it is the physical, but it's really, there are many times you say, okay, done, I am I'm can't even go one meter anymore, but that's where your mental part takes over. It and just then, pushes you. Yeah. yeah. And that is where uh, I believe that it's a very good way to discipline yourself and to get into a different zone whereby you actually are capable of doing things which you can really never, sometimes you never imagine that you are capable. I, I have never imagined I can, especially, okay, Baltics, no problem, it's a flat uh, road. But starting from Sweden, it's all climbing, serious climbing. I uh, That was one of my biggest, I can tell you, that was one of my biggest fears, that I had never done so much climbing. So how am I going to do that? But once I finished, uh, now I know. When I go to the Himalayas, no problem, <laughs> because I know exactly I, I can climb. I can, yeah, it is slow and whatever, but the mind takes over and then you can do that. That's an incredible mindset. I love the way you say, yeah, that's no problem, because it's true. You put your mind to it. I mean, what did your friends and family think? Well, my friends think I'm crazy. My family, I do not know. <laughs> but they are a big support, by the way. They They are... By the way, even Beijing or uh, just now I've come from Cambodia, just now, like a couple of days ago or a week ago. 
uh, all my adventures and all my expeditions my wife is always with me okay so uh, big salute to her because she goes through the whole thing herself although she's in a car but she's the one who provides all the support to me so uh, yeah so all of these things are possible but there are people around you your family and all that if they have the right a frequency as what you are thinking and wanting to do then it's possible yeah wow yeah. your wife should also be getting the medals too because yeah, actually, you get the she accolade should. <laughs> <laughs> she should because actually the european trip was really tough because in china there were other people who were organizing it and we were just participating but in europe she was the main resource person so she was the one who was actually organizing throughout till the end where are we going to stay what are we going to eat even in the sometime at night when we are staying in guest houses she's cooking or whatever wow. so it's all those things happening it's it's yeah kudos to her <laughs> yeah so what's next then what's in the pipeline how how far along do you look into the future in terms of these endurance expeditions and i mean what's the recovery time like for you so uh, actually i've been doing them a little bit too often but i have now recently come to together with my team of uh, people who go around with me that i will be doing uh, i've classified these things into two th- categories one is uh, journey and one is the event so i'll be doing a lot of events events are like 3 4 days and they're over but journey is like what i did in europe and so i i plan that was 30 days yeah that was 35 days of biking and 40 something days on the road 47 yeah. days on the road so the journeys are going to be every other year because it takes a toll on your body and then the uh, events i'll do a lot every year and now in terms of um you mentioned just now you know you, sometimes you need to take a break from it because it takes a lot you totally. know physically and also um emotionally yeah, yeah, as well yeah, yeah. mentally as well now you're such an inspiration to so many athletes and so many people around here in the city and regionally have you met somebody who is also very inspiring to you you, you mentioned you, you travel around the world to meet you know perhaps many other athletes uh, para athletes uh, if you like um who's sort of inspired you and, and and kept your you know you you've shared a friendship or you know who can you tell us about there are different people there are actually a lot of people from the way i look at inspiration the inspiration can be derived from a person who is just trying to get his daily life sorted out okay so uh, i i meet a lot of these people on uh, i should on my trips i meet them and they are not really uh, categorized as endurance athletes or whatever but there are people who are really trying to make a difference bring a difference in their community or whatever so there are a ton of people like this who i really for example in south africa i was in a in a uh, facility where they were looking all these quadriplegics and paraplegics they're looking after themselves and they created their own home and they so it was very inspiring for me because look at these guys they they taken their destiny in their own hands they, so things like that but at the same time there are people who are crazy people okay they are endurance people who are really mad people there are two people who really uh, some people I look at and up to look up to one is a guy from uh, canada his name is rick hansen he's an older guy now but he did uh, uh, round the world on a wheelchair uh, and uh, he became a quite a big legend 
and uh, the second guy is actually from Singapore, and he's a neurosurgeon who is in a wheelchair, and uh, just recently, not recently, about five, six years ago, recovered from cancer also. So he, he has one thing after the other in his life. And uh, his last thing, what he did was he did marathons on all the continents nonstop. So he he started one after the other. One after, and he was working with I think DHL or one of the big names who were transporting him. So he was doing Antarctica, South Af uh, in the Africas, and then Asia. He ended up in doing uh, the last marathon was in uh, Americas. So basically. Flying time was resting time. Rest is all doing marathons. So that's uh, he was doing fundraising for some cancer-related uh, uh, associations, etc. But causes. So that that he's another guy who really I think I look up to him. That uh, yeah. I want to be like him. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are hearing your journey and hearing your story and want to check out more about your work. Have you got a website and are you on social media? How can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Yeah, actually. If uh, very simple. My website is ajmalsamuel.com and uh, for social media, I am very easily found by just typing Ajmal Samuel uh, because it's a unique name. There's only one Ajmal Samuel on Facebook and Instagram, whatever, and uh, just type one word, Ajmal Samuel, and you can find me there. He's number one on, on the search. Honestly, Ajmal Samuel, once again, thank you so much for your time. I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you very much, Noreen. 